Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Let's get right out of the gate with this. Uh, I'd like to start out by thanking Pastor, one of my best friends, for getting me so emotional and, and like feeling the weight and the burden of speaking this morning. <sighs> wow, you know, it's, it's, it's only once in a while. But anyway, I got a lot of family and friends here this morning, so. So thank you for coming. I'm deeply honored. And also I want to thank my uncle for not coming this morning. I worked with him yesterday, and he said, you know, if I was there, I'd sit on the back row, and I'd just yell, you suck the whole time. And I'm like, all right, well, thank you, Uncle, for, he's not here. No, you know what, he's he's the lead usher at his church, so I'm sure he's hopefully not condemned this morning. We'll get into that. Um, No, but I'm, I'm honored to have a lot of people here, so thank you so much. Um, but I think next time I'm going to request that maybe we allow me to speak before we do praise and worship because praise and worship is really gets me emotional. So I'm really emotional this morning. Um, and you know what? I, that's not a good combination because I'm, I live with six ladies, one, my beautiful wife, my four beautiful daughters, and our dog. And so, you know, I'm telling you what, movies get me emotional. Uh, them 30-second short commercials get me all teared up. I'm telling you, it's rough. So bear with me this morning, because um, I'm really going to... Wow. I'm really going to give you the word that's the Holy Spirit's put on my heart. And it's, uh, it's changed my life. I got to take you back to when this church was on Thompson Road. And there was something that we started that would mold me. Wow, Jesus. It would mold me and it, it would really it change my life. It really changed my life. And uh, it was a simple phrase. And the phrase was, there's no perfect people allowed here. Which, at that time, I didn't have the revelation to understand what that all meant. But as, as a young person, I struggled with that. There was this irony between me living this perfect Christian life, going after Jesus, because Jesus was perfect and we're supposed to be like him, actually we can do things greater than he can. So I struggled with the fact of living this perfect Christian life. There's no perfect people allowed here. So I want that to stay in your mind as we go forward today. I'm actually speaking on my favorite Bible story. So it'll just be hard for me to get through that. Wow. But we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna look at two stories this morning. And the first one is the story of a dad with two sons. It's the prodigal son. So 
we all know this story. We're not going to get in the Word and read about it. If you want to look it up, go ahead. It's a great story. But it's a dad that has two sons. He has an older son and a younger son. And the younger son is enthusiastic about life. He's energetic. He, he wants his college fund early. He wants his inheritance, and he's going to go to Vegas, Amsterdam, and he's going to live a wild life. If you're from Vegas or Amsterdam, I'm not insinuating your town's all bad. <laughs> but he, he's going to go out, and as the story unfolds, Jesus is telling this story because he's asked a question, why do you hang out with sinners and drug dealers and porn stars and all these bad tax collector people? Why do you hang out with these bad people? So this is one of his stories, one of him... Uh, a parable, if you will, that he's explaining why he hangs out with bad people. So the son's away. He, he, Jesus doesn't tell us how long he spent spending his college fund and his inheritance. He doesn't tell us how long he was out doing that process. But the son comes to a place where the money has run out. The inheritance is gone. The college fund is no more, and he finds himself in a dark place. Um, I'm talking about this story because I relate to this story. Not in the context of running off and being wild and crazy, but we'll get to that in a little bit. And Let me take a time out because God's love has opened a door in my heart that I never thought was there. And so if I can just share a piece of that and the Holy Spirit allow you to grab on to his goodness and, and his love to maybe help you better understand why he loves us so much. So let's get back to the prodigal. He finds himself in a deep, dark place. So bad, the times are so bad that he's actually looking for a job. He has no money. The only job that he can find is a long ways away. It's out in some boondocks at this farm country, and he's feeding pigs. So he goes out to take this job. Well, in fine print in the contract, it states he is not allowed to eat the pig's food. Come on, somebody. I would sign that. But, but he finds himself in a bad spot in a bad spot. He's, he's without everything, nothing, everything around him foreign, and he finds himself feeding the pigs, and he has a thought, I could probably take a bite. Nobody's watching. And in that moment where he's desperate, he says, I'm an idiot. This, this, this just ain't right. The the servants in my father's house have it better than I do right now. So I'm going to go home and I'm going to be a servant in my father's house. So the part of the story that I'd like us to zero in on this morning is this part where he's walking home. Obviously, the father has been watching because he, the Bible says it, his father sees him from a long ways away. And the father goes running to the son. The son, in the meantime, has came up with this speech that he's going to tell his dad. As the father 
embraces the son. The son starts to spit his speech out. He can't spit it out. The father doesn't care. The father says, no, no, no. Bring my best robe. Bring my sandals. Bring, bring my jewelry. My son is home. We're going to party tonight. Like it's 1902. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> says, we're going to party. Meanwhile, there's a scene change. The camera zooms in on the, in my mind, it's the back of the house out in the fields where the older son is working. And it zooms in on the older son where he's a noble son. He's a good son. He's honorable. He's still helping dad. He's still at home. It zooms in on him. As he's walking up to the house, to the barn, he hears music and dancing. And he can't go in. He can't go in. That's a whole other subject on the older son. We're not going to get into that. But there's something that happens, I believe, in a Christian's life as we are trying to be not spotless, but as we're trying to walk out this road of, okay, I might have some imperfected things in my life, but I'm doing the best I can. And it's a five-letter word, and it's called shame. When shame comes upon us and shame attacks us, it does wild and crazy things to our mind. We're going to get into that a little bit. But the... The younger son, he's a smart kid. He came to himself in the pig pen. He's smart. He's logical. He says, I'm going to go home because my dad's servants have it better than I do. He's already realized that when he goes home, it will not be the way it was before. He's already understood that he cannot fill them shoes of who he was before because of the decisions that he's made. So he goes home to be a servant. But what happens in front of us, what is displayed in this story that Jesus is telling us, is nothing short of, for me, mind-blowing. The dad says, Woo! We're going to party. Yet, the younger son thinks and says to himself, I've embarrassed my family name. I've desecrated who I was. I've spent all my dad's hard-earned money. I've, I've flushed it all away. So I'm going to go home with my tail between my legs, and I'm just going to be a servant. He had already decided that he was not worthy to be a son. He was going to downgrade to a servant. But the Holy Spirit's here to tell you this morning that you may have thought that it was your worth that decided who you were, who you are. But it's not, it's not the kid's worth, but it's his, it's his birth. See, when you're born into the kingdom, you're his. Zebra can't change its stripes. So when, you, when, when Jesus takes control of your life and, and you take that step 
and you get those zebra stripes, if you will, they're not coming off. You're his. Amen? You're his. So the son comes home, and the dad says, Woo! We're going to party. I'm sorry, but in my logical thinking, did, I, did we miss something? Is he, is he a soldier that's returning from Afghanistan after faithfully serving his country? Is he an athletic champion coming home with medals around his neck to be celebrated? No. He's a screw-up. He's a screw-up. Yet the dad says, kill the fatted calf. We're going to party tonight. Mind-blowing for myself. You say, Peter, what are you talking about this morning? You see, it seems for me really simple when you say, we want to come to Jesus I want to be known by God. I want to come to Jesus. But at that same time, through our Christian, we are not perfect people lives, it becomes very complicated for myself with all of our mess-ups, with all of our distractions, with our issues, with the day-to-day, some things, our decisions that go bad in life, with all these things that we have going on, For us to just say, I want to come to Jesus. Because then you say, oh, let's come to Jesus. And you're like, I don't know if I can just come to Jesus. Because there's no perfect people allowed here. So with all my faults, it's really hard for me right now to come to Jesus. Shame sets in. Guilt sets in because we've already said to ourselves I cannot be who I was based on the decisions that I've already made based on what I've gone through in my life that time where I got my zebra stripes and became a Jesus follower I cannot be that person anymore because of the decisions that I've made we've already started to filter this shame filter through our minds and it's starting to play games with us where the father says, Woo! My son and daughter are home. We're going to party. The part that I want to zero in on is you can literally count the verses between when the son first meets the father on the road and the father falls on him and kisses his neck to the time where he is literally on the dance floor. He's a screw up. He's coming home with an apologetic speech and the father says, we're going to party. And you count the, count the times where he's... This, this, does, this isn't logical for my thinking. This doesn't compute for my brain. 
This doesn't make sense. See, let's, let's, let's imagine how long was that period of time? One hour? Probably not, because they had to kill the fatted calf, you know, cut up the brisket, throw it on the barbie, and it's like, okay, then, then they had to, you know, the dad got on the phone, hey, my boy's home, come on, y'all, we're going to kick it in the barn tonight, and so everybody's got to get their duds on and, you know, get their, you know, Gucci sweaters and the Jabot jeans and, and the Nikes, and they're going to rock it out and kick it to the barn, you know what I'm saying? So it's going to take a little while for everybody to get to the barn. So at that time, it's like, what's happening? The son comes home smelling and looking like sin. He meets the father. He goes into the house and showers, changes, and walks out to the barn to the dance floor and just starts dancing. See, this would be hard for me because condemnation and shame has set in so hard that I've already exempt myself because I'm not worthy of that dance floor. I'm not worthy of my father's love. Are you hearing me? See, everybody wants to come to Jesus until you screw up royally. And then a preacher says, you need to come to Jesus. One of your family members say, you need to come to Jesus. Or you come to yourself in the pig slop and you say to yourself, I need Jesus. But we're not perfect people. And that shame starts to set in. He's like, I just can't. I can't. I can't go home. I can't dance. The dad has allowed me to dance, but I feel like I'm in middle school because nobody dances at them parties. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like everybody's standing around the dance floor. I ain't going first. But one thing we need to understand is God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. The dad has a a better plan than the son. God's ways are higher than our ways. I can't put myself on that same level where my kid's returning home and I'm doing everything I can to forgive them But, and I just say, go ahead, there's the floor. That messes with me. And you say, where's where's the repentance? Where's the fruits of repentance? We don't know if this kid even means it. We don't know if he's sorry. He never says he's sorry. He just got a free pass to the floor. Whatever you do, my brothers and sisters, don't be the older son who can't come in. It might go against everything 
logical, all the logical thinking in your brain. But we have to renew that mind through what Jesus has given us. So shut your brain off, listen to the Father, and slide your way onto that dance floor and just start to dance. Just start to dance. Because it's through your birth that gives you that right, not through your worth. Can I ask you a question? What's this kid have to dance about? Is it his performance? He got nothing to dance about. How about his uh, financial future investments? <laughs> no, he don't have that to dance about. The only reason this kid can dance is because dad still loves him. And dad still loves you. And the only reason that we as imperfect people can dance is because he loves us. Yet, some of you have stopped dancing. And one of the hardest things to come to Jesus is when the only thing you can dance about is he still loves you in spite of our decisions, in spite of what we've done. We want to exempt ourselves and hold on to that shame. When he loves you so much, he sets that aside and gives you a free pass. You have to take that free pass. One of the hardest things in Christianity, one of the hardest things I had to learn growing up was to take that free pass. Because I wasn't worthy of that free pass. And it's constantly changing my life and opened me up to when dad meets me on that road and I'm carrying that bag of mess ups. We all have that free pass, amen? Wow, that was my first story. Oh. Are you ready for round two? Woo! Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. I hope this next one's a little more exciting. You don't suck. <sighs> Woo! Thank you, Uncle, or uh, er, Pastor. Nah. This second story is near and dear to my heart. It's pretty freaking awesome. And it has to do with, uh, I would say a character, but he's not a character. He's a person. And uh, he was a disciple. And if you looked up the definition of put your foot in your mouth, there'd be a picture of Peter next to it. <laughs> because when you're thinking about bad decisions, <laughs> when you're thinking about having a, a hard day, Peter just pops up. I mean, <laughs> he's just there. You know, he, he's not doing it right. He's He's fumbling through it. He's cutting guys' ears off. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite, a, quite a struggle for him. But at the same time, he did some pretty awesome things. We're going to look at a story here in Matthew. It's in uh, it's chapter 14. It's pretty awesome. It's where Jesus is walking on the water. And Peter walks on the water. Everybody know the story? All right. Well, let's go there. So 
All the boys are in the boat, the disciples are in the boat. You know how it goes. They're, they're going across the lake and, and the storm's raising, the, the waves are crashing, and they're all freaked out and they think they see Patrick Swayze. Well, they think it's a ghost. And then, and, and, and instead, they realize that it's Jesus. And, you know, so here's Peter. Excuse me. I'll do things a little bit different around here. So here's Peter in the boat. And he says, Jesus, is that you? Can I come out there? So, you know, Jesus, I love what he says. Come on. And so in my mind, it plays out. Come on, it's a bad self, Peter. Come on. So, so here's Peter getting out of the boat. And I'll tell you what, right here, people, right there, right there, that first step. Woo! For all, are you feeling me? That first step, Peter getting out of the boat, he's like, shazam! He's like, this is working. This is working. And he's, he's, he's going for it now. And I'm like, you know what I'd do? I'd look back at the boys and be like, so, so that's the dance floor over there, and this is the water, all right? There's dance floor, there's water. So here's Peter. He's just keeping it real, keeping it real. And then what happens? Everything around him gets real, you know what I'm saying? And he starts seeing the waves, and everything's crashing down and around, and he starts to sink. So hey, everything gets crazy because he took his eyes off Jesus. When you take your eyes off Jesus, you know, the circumstances come around you. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, then you will, he will lift you up. That's just how it plays out in my mind. I don't, I don't know about you. So, so Peter started to sink. Jesus comes up, grabs him by the hand, picks him up, and they come back to the boat. So the part, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm just having a good time right now. You know, it's like that roller coaster with a sanguine. You know, I was down when I started, and now I'm up. So let's just, let's just keep it going. All right. So he's coming back to the boat. The part of the story that I want us to uh, realize is here. So follow me with this. I'm just going to read it for you. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And if I'm Peter, I'm saying, thank you, Jesus. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, now, let's take time out right there because, you know, sometimes what's it like when you're reading a Bible story and you're trying to figure it out in your brain and you're like, oh, this is going to happen. No, this is going to happen. So you think you, you got some of these things figured out. Well, in my brain, sorry, this is, this is what I see. This is what I see. So and when they get back into the boat, everybody takes a time out and gathers around Peter and gives, gives him a few moments because Peter right now is so soaking wet that he needs Bartholomew to get him a new shirt. You know what I'm saying? And if Bartholomew would have done this, he would have got mentioned in the Bible. So <laughs> Peter's just chilling, just chilling in the boat. Christian jokes, man, you love them? <laughs> so good, so good. So Peter's chilling in the boat, soaking wet. And all the disciples are trying to figure out who's going to give them their socks. <laughs> who's going to give them their socks, their pants, their shirt. Let's get, let's get Peter some new clothes. Peter's soaking wet. Let's go, let's go with this. So they need, to, they need to rally around Peter. 
Now, in my brain, this is how this plays out. But this isn't, this isn't how it played out because it says, when they got back to the boat, then those who were in the boat worshipped him. Don't they even care that Peter almost died? Peter's soaking wet. Yet, nobody cared. Nobody cared. Now, you'd say, man, Peter, you know, <laughs> me, Peter, <laughs> said, this, this, is, this was quite an awesome thing that happened because for the first time, a human, other than God, because he's in another category, a human, other than God, walked on the water. But I'd have to say, it's not how you start. It's how you finished. And Peter, well, he finished drowning. He finished with the circumstances all over him. He finished coming back to the boat with his tail between his legs. So when he gets back into the boat, for me, he just needed time out. He needed a few minutes to, to dry off, to collect himself. Because he just messed up royally. He just, he just blew the soles out of his shoes and, and went down. He was between a rock and a hard place. But Jesus saved him. He's good at that. Amen? He saved him. So they get back into the boat. And what really happens is they worshiped him. So Peter's soaking wet, and they're all, how great is our God? Nobody cared that Peter was wet. Peter didn't even care that he was wet. They were so overwhelmed with Jesus. See, what happens for me, what happens for me is I want to come to Jesus but I want to come to Jesus when I'm dry. I want to come to Jesus when I got a few things figured out because it's so much easier for me to be with Jesus when I'm dry. And some of us, we have a real hard issue with some people that come to Jesus wet. Now, hear me out. If you've been wet your whole life, come on down. Come and get your zebra stripes because Jesus is the real deal and you need him. But let's get real a little bit, Christians. Once you've been dry for a while, you know what I mean when I say dry? Once you've got a, a handle, once you've got a grasp on a few books or maybe a few scriptures, once you've straighten your life out and you're, you're living a little more holy once you've been dry for a while. But hold, hold up. We're talking about there's no perfect people here. There's no perfect people here. So for me, that's, I'm in a tough spot because now I'm supposed to worship him. I'm supposed to come to Jesus when I'm soaking wet. 
Yet we look at other people, maybe that are in the pew right next to us. Because they've been dry and wet and dry and wet and dry and wet. We're like, man, what's your deal? You got issues, man. You need Jesus. But hold up, hold up. You can't go to Jesus. Now that wet. You kidding me? Hold up. You need to take a time out. Have a seat. You need to dry yourself off. And then you can come to Jesus. I'm sorry. Let's keep it real. Some of us don't like how, how other people dance. We don't like how other people dance. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're dancing? It don't seem like you got a lot to dance about there, bucko. Maybe you need, just need to take a seat and think about what you've done. Man, that's real. That's real for me because I've been a Christian a long time. And it's that same judgmental mind that I throw on myself, that I throw on all y'all. Forgive me. Forgive me. Because I got that same free pass and you got that same free pass. We got to realize that we're in the trenches together. Man, I had an epiphany. I don't use that word ever. It just came up. <laughs> the other day, man, the other day, I'm like watching the, the Olympics. And I'm like, hey, man, we're the United States. We're united. Hey, man, it was like a light bulb went off in my head. And I'm like, are you serious? We are freaking out, but we're supposed to be united. Here we are as a church. We're supposed to be united. Yet we're looking down the pew at somebody who's got wet socks. We're like, hey, man, you, you, and he's an usher. Whoa, whoa. Man, you better check yourself. We're still not good with letting wet people come to Jesus. See, Peter, Peter just hopped in the boat. He didn't care. Jesus didn't care. All the homies didn't care. They just worshiped him because he's that good. See, Dad, Dad just met you on the road with all your stuff. He didn't care. He's got his son and his daughter back. Man, that really tugs at my heart. And one of the hardest things we need to learn as Christians is you have to dance moments after you've messed up. And you get to worship even while you're wet. You get to worship wet. We have to worship wet. See, some of us as maybe leaders, we get to teach the kids in kids' class while we're wet. Some of us ushers, we come to church ushing wet. 
And you know what's, what's real? Is one of my best friends, our pastor, and myself, I'm preaching what? We're united. We're all in this together. You know, it, it really, uh, I won't say upsets me, but man, you start playing that music, I'm going to start freaking out. <laughs> Go ahead, John. Go ahead. We'll get through it. We'll get through it. Wow, that's so good, ain't it? Oh, man. Come on, man. I don't even know where I was, but this is in a good spot. We got worship wet. That's where I was. I'm still here. Oh, I'm preaching wet. That's where I was. Preaching wet. We're united. I was there too. We got to hold it down together, church. That shame, we got to set that aside. That logical thinking that puts us, our story mirrors that of the prodigal son. He exempted himself. Don't you exempt yourself. It's not by your worth, it's by your birth. One of the uh, best things I love about my kids, I got four beautiful girls, and I'm at home, I'm a stay-at-home dad, and I'm at home with my two youngest. And uh, my Trinity, she's four years old, and I may, I may raise my voice two hmm, thousand times with my kids. But one of them things that keeps kids simple, they don't have a long-term memory. They have a short-term memory. So for me as a dad, I mess up all the time. I try my best. But I'm not too big or too proud to uh, get down on my knees in front of my girls and tell them I'm sorry. Daddy got loud. I shouldn't have got loud. Will you forgive me? And this happens on the daily. And my trinity should be like, yep. And we just go on our day. And I'm her dad. In her eyes, I can do anything. I can't exempt myself anymore, church. You can't either. Don't be taking yourself off the dance floor. And don't pull that plug on the worship. You say, I ain't living a life that's danceable right now. Welcome to the group. hope the Holy Spirit tugged on your heart this morning. He's been tugging on mine for a long time.
So if you'd say, yeah, I'm wet. I'm part of the group. Would you just stand up so I can pray for you? Actually, I don't have the words to pray for you, but the Holy Spirit does. If you just stand up for a minute, Jesus. I want you to envision your dad meeting you on the road, carrying your bag of mess-ups when you come smelling and looking like sin. And he gave you that free pass right to the dance floor. So good. Father God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters, my family that's here. I thank you that you have impacted our spirits this morning. That we would recognize and realize that we can worship wet. And that you've given us a free pass to the dance floor. And that every time you see our face, which is 24-7, you say, Woo! We're going to party. We're going to party. Because my son and my daughter are here. Are here. I thank you that your love keeps oozing on us. And you drowned us in your kisses. As you hold us and embrace us, and even as we try to tell ourselves that we're not worthy, even, even as we feel those feelings, because I do, I thank you that you are that good and you love us that much. We give you all the honor and praise and glory because your love is so good. You've shown us how to love, how to love you and how to love each other that we wouldn't look down the pew at those of us that are wet because we're all wet and we wouldn't look at ourselves with judgmental eyes and we would just keep things simple and we'd be able to forgive ourselves like kids forgive us. In Jesus' name. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.